Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. to this guy for wisdom. Well, this is just breaking news today. Steve Bannon has been found guilty of criminal contempt of Congress. Now, Eric Holder, we got to go back to 2012, circa 2012. Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress. Uh, Holder, of course, was held in contempt because he refused to comply uh, with the request from Republicans in the House who uh, who wanted him to supply all the documents uh, f- as they related to the Fast and Furious scandal. Holder wouldn't supply all the documents. And so they held him in contempt for that. Now, Obama then stepped in and uh, squashed it. He, he asserted his executive privilege to prevent uh, those documents from being attained. What was Obama hiding? What was Eric Holder hiding? Don't we hear this all the time with regard to the J6 committee? If you won't show up, if you don't want to comply with this witch hunt, what do you have to hide? Well, what were they hiding? This went up to Barack Obama, and Barack Obama exerted ex- asserted executive privilege not just to protect Eric Holder, but to protect himself. And it was, in fact, Holder who asked Obama directly to prevent those documents from being released. But there's a huge difference between January 6th and what's going on with Steve Bannon and Eric Holder and the Fast and the Furious operation. The difference between Fast and the Furious and the J6 insurrection, this committee, is that Fast and the Furious was real. It happened. There was no J6 insurrection. And Trump, Bannon, none of them were responsible for it. It wasn't a government-sanctioned plot, scheme, operation like Fast and the Furious was. Fast and the Furious was a clandestine government operation. The U.S. government was selling guns to cartels, our guns, with the alleged apparent intention of tracking them back to the cartels. And even if that was the reason, it was stupid. And worse than that, it got Americans killed. It got other people killed, killed by thugs with the very guns that our government sold them. But Holder wasn't prosecuted. Steve Bannon was. He's just been found guilty. He faces up to two years in prison or a fine of up to $2,000, I believe, or both. Now, in Holder's case, he was the attorney general. So Holder was essentially being asked to prosecute himself. The committee, you know, this is the way it works. The, the, the committee in the House that's investigating, that's requesting these documents, that, issue, that issues these subpoenas, well, they, they can only recommend a trial. They recommend this to the Justice Department, and the Justice Department then decides whether or not to prosecute, whether to hold a trial. Congress cannot prosecute, except with regard to impeachment. They have the ability to impeach presidents and hold the trial in the Senate. But that's all. They can't prosecute anyone with these committees. The Justice Department has to do it. 
And so Holder's deputy attorney general, he announced that they wouldn't bring the congressional contempt citation before a grand jury. They wouldn't prosecute. And the White House simply said, hey, you know, this was an established principle that goes back to Reagan. The Justice Department doesn't pursue prosecution in a contempt case when the president has asserted executive privilege. Well, what's the difference here? Steve Bannon, Donald Trump asserted executive privilege saying that, you know, he didn't want Bannon to be before the January 6th committee. Now, the left goes back and argues and says, well, you know, J6 happened after, uh, you know, Steve Bannon had served in the administration, so he can't exert, assert executive privilege. I mean, you can sit there and make an argument. Uh, the point is, it doesn't matter. He was still president of the United States, and you have privileged conversations with the president of the United States. And so by the left's own admission back in 2012, well, you know, that's an established principle. And look, the, these... These criminal contempt citations rarely go this way, rarely go this way. Uh, they don't happen very often, but they're going that way here because J6 is a witch hunt. We know everything that happened on that day with regard to Trump. We know the timeline. We know that Donald Trump didn't incite an insurrection. He was impeached in, in the House of Representatives, and he was acquitted in the Senate. This has always been a phony witch hunt. Trump incited no insurrection. Furthermore, there wasn't ever an insurrection. But Fast and the Furious, that operation, that happened. And it got people killed. The guns were used in violence at the border. A Border Patrol officer, an American citizen, was murdered with one of the guns that our government sold to the cartels. I'm going to tell you what's going on here. This is a real insurrection, and the Democrats are behind it. It's the Democratic Party, which is using the government to intimidate and destroy their political opposition. It's a scheme. It's a scheme. But, you know, it's happening in other ways, too. Outside of the hallowed halls of Congress, where this committee meets and tries to destroy Steve Bannon and Donald Trump and anybody else associated with the MAGA movement. The, the condoned intimidation of Supreme Court justices, for example, is a very real instance of the results of the Democratic Party's policies, talking points, and double standard of justice in this country. They are emboldening violence against their political opponents. This has real-world consequences. You know, the tyranny doesn't stop inside Washington, D.C. It explodes. It cascades down and affects every aspect of American life. With regards to Justice Kavanaugh, you had a California Democrat travel to Kavanaugh's home in Maryland intending to murder him and his family. He was stopped, thankfully. But even more recently, just the other day, Lee Zeldin, who is the GOP candidate for New York governor, was just attacked at a rally. A 43-year-old Democrat tried to stab Zeldin with a knife. The would-be assassin climbed up on the stage where Zeldin was giving his speech, and the Democrat said, you're done. 
Again, thankfully, the Democrat was tackled and Zeldin was unharmed. You do not see this type of behavior from conservatives, from the MAGA movement. This is the real insurrection. This is more dangerous than anything that happened on January 6th. This person tried to assassinate the GOP candidate for New York governor. But here's where it gets even more dangerous. This man was released without bail. He was put back on the streets. The message is clear and it's intentional. The Democrats want their violent supporters to know that it's open season on Republicans. They are condoning violence by these policies. The message is you can try and fail to kill a Republican gubernatorial candidate and there are no consequences. The truth is the Democratic Party today is no different than the KKK. This is the real proof of their status today as a totalitarian authoritarian party because they are strategically using violence to intimidate their political opponents and every totalitarian regime throughout mankind's history has utilized violence to seize power. Hitler had the stormtroopers, the SS, who went around beating up members of the Communist Party and other opposition parties in the parliamentarian system there to intimidate anyone who would challenge them politically to seize power. These aren't accidents or coincidences. They're intentional. And, and more times than not, they are coordinated efforts that the Democratic Party not only funds via George Soros money and other wealthy billionaires that are behind the scenes funneling into these organizations that are organizing these protests, paying them to be there, paying for violence and upheaval in America to get Americans tired and fed up to bend to the will of the Democratic Party. But the Democratic Party is behind this. Now, I want to play audio before I move on to COVID with uh, Joe Biden. I want to play audio of the media back in 2012 when Eric Holder was cited for criminal contempt of Congress. I want to play this because I want you to listen to how outraged they are. I want you to listen to the Democratic Party's response, their arguments. Listen to how they deflect, how they lie, how they accuse Republicans of the very things they're guilty of today with the January 6th committee. The Democrats project what they are, who they are, what they're doing. They project it all onto their political opponents when they themselves are actually carrying out those very sinister things they accuse their political opponents of being engaged in. All right, let me play this clip for you. History unfolding on this. It's never happened before. First cabinet member ever to be held in contempt of Congress. Republicans have pressed Holder to hand over all documents. Politicization of the deliberations of the people's house. Today's vote may make for good political theater. An election year politics. Regrettable culmination of what became a misguided and politically motivated investigation during an election year. It's a shameful display of abuse of power by the Republicans in the House of Representatives. So there you have it. Those are numerous Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, the typical talking heads on the propagandist media, discussing Eric Holder's criminal contempt recommendation in 2012 is what? 
politically motivated, political theater, shameful. It's an abuse of power, you heard Nancy Pelosi say. What they're saying is it was unnecessary. They were also decrying it, saying that, you know, the American people don't care about this. Uh, you know, this is, a, this is just a distraction. They're attacking him because, you know, uh, they're assaulting, you know, election integrity. You know, we should be focused on uh, the economy, jobs, infrastructure, things that the American people really care about, not this phony witch hunt against Eric Holder. But of course, it wasn't a witch hunt. People were dead and Barack Obama and Eric Holder were behind it. And they were involved in a cover-up at the highest levels to pre prevent themselves from being discovered, their involvement in it, their knowledge of it, how they responded irresponsibly, how they put this into action. It would have been damning evidence. And so what did they do? They put the kibosh on it, just like they did with the records of all those people who got on the Lolita Express. Right? You had the trial about all the miners, all the uh, uh, disgusting activity that took place in that case. And um, I forget his name right now. What the heck's the guy's name? This is, this is driving me insane when I can't think about this. Um, oh, man. Jeffrey Epstein. Anyway, sorry. It just drive me crazy. Jeffrey Epstein, right? That whole case. All that stuff. People were harmed in the process. And that was just shut up as well. Hidden from public eye. We don't know who was involved, even though we have the evidence. They, they, they put it away to save themselves, just like the Hunter Biden laptop. Anything that incriminates the Democratic Party, those who are actually engaged in this, uh, this type of illegal behavior, criminal behavior, reprehensible, uh, amoral behavior, that's off limits to us. But now, you know, but now what are they doing? They are abusing power. This is politically motivated. This is political theater. This is shameful. This is a distraction. This isn't what the American people care about, this J6 committee. Going after Donald Trump and Steve Bannon and trying to destroy their lives, prevent Donald Trump from running for elected office again. No, the Americans care about the inflation that this administration, their policies have exacerbated about the increases the unaffordable gas prices, those are the things that Americans care about. But no, they don't care about that because they only care about themselves and their political power and their guiltiest sin. And they can't have, uh, you know, those be the topics that the media discovers and, and talks about, I should say. It is shameful. Now, the White House has been releasing propaganda about this president. I wanted to talk about Biden, of course, contracting COVID. I don't think that he even has COVID. Whether he does or doesn't really doesn't make a difference. It doesn't impact anything. Pre-COVID Joe Biden wasn't the president, wasn't doing anything, was a figurehead. It was weakened at Bernie's every day with Joe Biden. He was hidden from public view, protected at all costs. His appearances were limited. We know he wasn't running the country. And now that he's got COVID, suddenly they're pushing, trying to tell us, oh, don't worry, this president's working so hard, so hard behind the scenes. You don't even know how hard he's working, even though he has COVID. Now, again, we have a dichotomy, well, a, a, a something that highlights the treachery 
of the media, the propagandist media, the way they covered Donald Trump when he contracted COVID versus how they're covering Joe Biden with his COVID. Now, I want to get into this. I do not think, I think it's likely that Joe Biden doesn't even have COVID. Now, again, it doesn't matter whether he does or doesn't. But this timeline is interesting to me. He got back to the White House on Sunday. On Sunday, that's when he got back from his Middle East trip in which he got on his knees and begged the Saudis to increase their oil production, in which he embarrassed not only himself, but the American people and our country. So he gets back from that trip on Sunday that was certainly taxing for him. Monday, there was nothing on his schedule. Tuesday, there was nothing on his schedule. Wednesday, he goes to Massachusetts and he gives his climate change speech in which he says that climate change is a national security threat, in which he told us that he had cancer as well. And so he gets back. Friday, he's supposed to have a busy day, by the way. He's traveling again. He's going to end up in Delaware. But he was supposed to go to Pennsylvania on Friday, and he was going to give a speech about gun legislation, pushing that leftist agenda, the gun grab. But Thursday, he tests positive for COVID before that rigorous, demanding Friday that was busy with presidential demands. And so Thursday, they cancel his schedule on Friday. Now, they say he tested negative on Tuesday. I have not heard a word about Wednesday. They skip over Wednesday like it didn't exist. And then Thursday, suddenly he tests positive for COVID. Regardless, he was not up for the task on Friday. I think that COVID, this announcement was an excuse to give him cover because mentally, physically, there is something going on behind the scenes that is frightening. Beyond his corruption, beyond what we've seen, I think there is something seriously wrong with the president. And this is the biggest cover-up in American history with regards to the health of a president. Now, FDR was paralyzed from the waist down. And he went to great lengths, that administration, to cover that up. Now, he became paralyzed in 1921. It wasn't a secret per se, but when he became president, he did not want to be seen. He didn't want the American people thinking about it or even realizing it if they weren't already told and aware. They hid it from the American people. He banned photographers, FDR did, from taking photographs and videos of him when he was in his wheelchair. He didn't want to appear weak. He didn't want anyone to question his ability to lead and be president. And the Secret Service would literally confiscate the film of anyone caught capturing FDR in his wheelchair. They went to extraordinary lengths to give the appearance that he wasn't paralyzed. He'd never get out of his limousine, for example, in the view of the public. When he gives speeches, he'd wear these 10-pound steel braces and hang onto the podium, gripping it tightly for support. And it wasn't until FDR's fourth term in 1944 that they had to show him in a wheelchair because he was 62 years old and he was ill. He couldn't hold himself up anymore. The weight of those 10 pounds steel uh, on his legs, it was too much for him. And that was a cover. But this is bigger than that because going into this, we knew he wasn't physically or mentally fit. And they covered, up, covered it up on the campaign trail. And you can imagine it's only gotten worse since then. And again, it does not matter whether he has COVID or doesn't have COVID because nothing's changed. And look at the media reaction. They're not fearful. 
that he can't work. They're not, I mean, they're putting out propaganda. They put of him on video giving a quick speech saying, oh, I'm feeling fine. I'm doing, doing very well. You know, it's 20, 30 seconds. That's what we've seen. Now, Joe Biden's health, we need to talk about this. He's not been healthy for a long time. He suffered from a couple of different aneurysms. This goes back to the 1980s, I believe. And he's been on a blood thinner ever since. Tons of medical problems. Uh, 1988, that's when he suffered two brain aneurysms, Joe Biden. So he's been on this blood thinner, uh, you know, likely, well, for over 30 years. And we're being told that this guy's the picture of health. Trump, though, oh, he's obese. He's obese. But Joe Biden, yeah, you've never seen a healthier person. He's healthy as an ox. Nobody believes that. They're lying to us about the state, the physical and mental state of this president, because they don't want that as a distraction. They don't want it on the forefront of people's minds. It's no secret that he's not in charge, but so long as they can hide it, they can keep the media focused on January 6th and everything else because the biggest threat to this nation is the weakness of this president. Now, it's one thing to observe his weakness when he finally gets let out of the basement and goes around the world and embarrasses himself, but it's something else entirely. If the media and the White House are forced to admit that he's wearing a diaper behind scenes, that he's being fed applesauce, the way they are talking about this president, you know, they give these press conferences. And of course, uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre doesn't think it's an issue. Yeah, nothing to see here. Don't worry about it. You know, with Trump, it was every day you had to address it and look at it. You know, it was the end of the world. It was an apocalyptic situation. Who did he infect? The whole government could be brought to its knees. But this, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. He's just, he's in the White House working. We've drawn down the staff to a smaller number of people. But Joe Biden, Joe Biden, they tell us, look, Joe Biden is uh, he's eating. In fact, he showed me his empty plate. The White House is a nursing home. It's a nursing home. It's a nursing facility for Joe Biden. And everyone's in on this big secret. The big secret that's not really a secret but until it's confirmed in a real way, they're able to continue this lie to try and tell us that he's okay, that his health isn't in jeopardy, that our nation isn't at risk, but it is. It is. Now, I'm going to play this clip in a second uh, of, of the way the media reacted to um, – Donald Trump, when he was admitted to Walter Reed, when he came down with COVID. And then we'll discuss the, the difference here with Joe Biden. The bombshell news of his diagnosis overnight has thrust the country into an unprecedented scenario. This may be the most dangerous moment that the U.S. government has ever faced. But Don, he's also been on Capitol Hill with the Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett. And we need a full accounting of the president's activity. And a cavalier approach. And now, um, well, what I'm trying to understand is how they are going to portray this now. Are they going to continue on with the messaging of the president and carrying the water of the president by downplaying this Downplaying COVID-19. Is this a moment of reckoning 
for the president. It has to be a humiliation for this president who's been making jokes about the mask that Joe Biden wears. The president bears uh, so much responsibility for this, given the way he has talked about masks. I look at this as a drunk driver who injured himself in a wreck and killed the oncoming sober driver. His response has been homicidal negligence. Recklessness, negligence, ignorance. The recklessness and the denialism and the, 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 the anti-medicine position. So I don't have sympathy for Donald Trump. But it certainly is not that much of a surprise. People I spoke to today were surprised this hadn't happened sooner. This is not surprising. Not a surprise. I'm not surprised. Not surprising. His falsehoods and his lies uh, coming back to bite him. It is very hard to believe word for word everything so that obviously, the obviously, you know, when Trump came down with COVID, you know, it was all his fault. It was due to his recklessness, his irresponsibility, his science denying. And you hear, you'll hear in a clip I'll play of the coverage of Biden uh, to contrast that, uh, you know, he did, they, you know, unlike Trump, Biden did everything. You know, they were just so careful, so careful, followed all the protocols, which proves what? He's vaccinated, double boosted, and he still got COVID. And there has been no transparency with this administration. You know, when, it, when, when Trump came down with COVID and he was hospitalized at Walter Reed Memorial there in D.C., the very next day, I think it was October 2nd or 3rd, he was hospitalized. And in any, in any case, the very next day, his White House physician, personal White House physician, uh, gave a press conference. So the press had access. They could ask him questions. And even though they had that level of transparency, giving updates, hearing directly from Trump's White House physician, they still said, well, we can't believe them. They're probably lying, trying to cover something up. And meanwhile, where is Dr. O'Connor, Biden's personal physician? Where's, where's that press conference? It hasn't happened yet. It's now Friday. We're going to go into the weekend. It's been two days now. Since this alleged COVID case with the president has been revealed to the American people and he's not holding a press, he gave a letter, he's giving letters of updates about Biden's health. Where is the press conference? Why can the press not have access to O'Connor? What are they covering up? What are they afraid people are going to ask that he can't answer? This is the least transparent administration, <clears throat> I think, in, in, American, in American history, in American history. Um, and you know, it, you know what this, this really comes down to and what I'm seeing a lot of Paxlovid. So Paxlovid, so, you know, Pfizer, uh, seems to be funding and behind the coverage of Biden's COVID contraction, because every doctor's out there, they're pushing. We heard this with Fauci. He was on Paxlovid. This is the new antiviral pill that Pfizer has developed to help deal with symptoms once you contract COVID. Once you contract COVID. And so you get the vaccine, you get two boosters, and you can still contract COVID. And that's supposed to, though, right? You're going to die if you don't get the vaccine and the two boosters. It lessens your chances of hospitalization, keeps you from being at risk of dying from COVID. So why do they have this pill now, this antiviral? Why does he need an antiviral pill made by Pfizer on top of everything else he's done to lessen the symptoms? I thought that was the point of the vaccine and the booster shots. And it's interesting that they're putting Biden on Paxlovid. You know why? You know why? 
Biden's at risk for blood clots now. People die from him. Biden nearly died twice in 1988 when he suffered those two brain aneurysms. He's been on blood thinner, and he can't take the blood thinner while he's on Paxlovid. <clears throat> because it has a potentially negative interaction with the anticoagulant meds like what Biden's taking. So they've taken him off, apparently, the blood thinners. And, you know, I'll never forget this, too. You know, when, when Trump came back from the, uh, when he was released from the hospital, he walked up, I think it was to the Truman balcony, and he was alone, and he was waving for cameras. He took his mask off, and immediately, immediately let me play this clip for you. Listen to what the media said about Trump. With regards to the moment he took his mask off that his infection, face. That infection, that coronavirus can be very contagious, which is why people, you know, take great pains to protect themselves uh, in the hospital. But this is well, obviously sending come. A, here we a, go. a very different. Takes it off. An incorrect message. And you see him here. Um, he takes it off and he's getting ready for his pictures. The flags flank him. Right, Caitlin, this is what he did. This is the moment. This is what he produced it for. He wants the image to be. I'm strong. This virus is nothing, his tweet today, feeling better than I did 20 years ago. Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. There he is. This is the image he wants. Did you pick up the hatred in her voice? Her animosity? Did you hear in her voice how much she despises Donald Trump and why? Because he took the mask off his faith, off, off his face. Now, Donald Trump, the reason he was so attractive to the American people is because he, like you and me, like the other conservative Americans who value their liberty and stand up to tyranny, he did the same. And the left hated him because he never went along with them. He never did what they said. He never submitted to them. He always fought back. And in fighting back, he fought back for you and me. And the left cannot tolerate the American citizen standing up for themselves and their rights, or the Republican president of the United States. And that's why they attack him. Now, Joe Biden was seen with a mask off, giving his little 30-second address to tell us he was still working so hard despite having COVID. And he was seen in the Oval Office, sitting behind the desk with a mask off his face, on a phone call to no one. It was a photo op, a complete propaganda move, maneuver, and the media defended him. Hey, you know, the person in the room was properly distanced and had a mask on their face. Well, it was the same for Donald Trump. Same for Donald Trump. He was by himself. And, you know, it goes beyond this anyway, because we know the masks don't work. They never worked. They never did anything. Now, the left wants to use this. I mean, look, the real takeaway here is if Joe Biden has COVID and he's what, 70-something years old, and he is amongst the most vulnerable uh, people in our society, right? He's an old person. He's got pre-existing conditions. He's got health issues, obviously. And they're telling us it's no big deal, which should tell us we got to move on with our lives. If this, isn't, if this isn't serious and they're not worried about Joe Biden, then they need to leave us the hell alone too, the American people. That's the real takeaway. You know, it's interesting what's happening, whether it's the January 6th investigation ongoing, well, it's not an investigation, 
you know, whether it's the January 6th committee garbage, whether it's the obvious difference of treatment between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, it leads to one thing. It emboldens, emboldens Donald Trump. It makes the case for his running in 2024. It actually makes it more likely that he will be the candidate in 2024. Now, there's a piece um, over at Town Hall I came across. It's written by John O'Connor. And the title is, Do the Democrats Realize They're Empowering Trump with This Witch Hunt? Democrats say they hate Trump, so why do they keep empowering him? That's exactly what's happening. The essence of this piece is that, look, they called Trump Hitler. They impeached him twice. They tried to say he wasn't fit. He should be removed via the 25th Amendment. They're still trying to get him with a kangaroo court. But have they damaged him? His endorsement is highly sought by Republican candidates. It isn't viewed as a kiss of death like Joe Biden. In contrast, nobody wants to be seen with him. Nobody wants to be associated with him. They're doing everything they can to distance themselves from him coming up to the midterms because his endorsement, being seen with, with uh, the least popular president in American history, Joe Biden, is a kiss of death. It's, but, but, but Trump, on contrast, is the Midas touch. Now, they don't all win, but most of the candidates he's supported and endorsed, they have won their primaries. And so the Democrats have actually created this situation in which Trump has built support out of the office. While they're trying to ensure that he never runs for public office again via this January 6th committee, which is trying to prove that he incited an insurrection so that constitutionally he's barred from running from office and re-election in 2024, well, they haven't done any of that. These people are gravitating towards him. They're begging him for help, and he's building alliances. So these people that are going to be in Congress after the midterms are going to be loyal to him. Those people serving owe him which makes his ascension, Larry O'Connor essentially says in 2024, that much more likely, that much more inevitable. But the Democrats, they're so desperate, they're in so much trouble that the only coping mechanism they have is denial, denial. And so they believe their lies, just like they believed in 2016 that Hillary Clinton was guaranteed to win that election. But everything that this Democratic Party is involved in is, is theatrics. The J6 committee, that's theatrics. And you know, Steve Bannon, the reason they sought criminal prosecution, the reason they wanted this goal was because in their minds, they have something they can put in the media that looks bad, right? Steve Bannon was convicted. He's going to be sentenced in October, I believe, or something around there this year. So that signifies that Trump is guilty of what they're accusing him of. That's what that was all about. That's the only reason they're going after these people. I mean, yes, it's about punishing their political opponents through violence of the judicial system, violence of the attorney general, violence of that component, corrupt component of the administration and the bureaucracy, but it's also about continuing this narrative and they need to keep feeding the media something so that they can keep this narrative alive. Now, AOC and the other leftist activist nitwits out there, they were just caught engaging in theater. So AOC and Ilhan Omar, 
I don't know if you saw this. They were outside the Supreme Court protesting with the other members of the pro-death cult. And, you know, before these Congress pronouns even got out there to protest, it was it had been reported that members of Congress were going to show up and participate in the protests, which could, they say, end in arrest. So they were already setting up the narrative, right? This is how you have to understand the media. The Democratic Party works in coordination and collusion with the propagandist media to set these narratives. So before this, it's fed, it's leaked. They know what they're going to report on. AOC and Ilhan Omar just have to show up to give them the footage and the sound bites and the story to go ahead with, to give them the green light, give them what they need. So it turns out that the organization that was protesting, which was a Soros-funded group, well, they requested beforehand that these Congress pronouns submit themselves to arrest. So they all showed up to be arrested. They, that was the objective. It was a fundraising stunt for the pro-death cult. They were blocking a street. They were marching down a street. I, I, I know what street they were on. I walked down that street when I was in D.C. a little over a month ago or so. And this is illegal demonstration activity. You cannot block, down, block off streets. You have to stay on the sidewalks. They knew what they were doing. It's why they did it. Nobody was handcuffed, by the way. They got a ticket, a citation. They weren't detained. But Omar and AOC, they walk with their hands behind their backs like they're handcuffed for the photo op. And conveniently, there's someone to take the image, feed it to ABC, NBC, MSNBC, and the rest, and run with it to make it look like these people were really sacrificing for their country. The media was ready to report that story, and that's the collusion. It's commonplace. It's how the media functions in America. They work together to sell narratives, create these narratives. It's always planned and coordinated. Nothing you see or hear is real. And so these photographs were taken, as I explained, from the front of Omar and AOC. So they walk and they just hold their hands behind their back. So it looked like in the images they were being handcuffed. But all the police were doing was handing out. You know, I mean, the police were handling them like the handlers of Clinton and Joe Biden, just holding them by their arm, walk gently guiding them away. But here's the thing. These frauds, they want to appear like heroes sacrifice and they AOC and Ilhan Omar believe that they are Rosa Parks they think they're Martin Luther King Jr but they're not they're virtue signaling media w h o r e s s that's it they're not sacrificing they wouldn't sacrifice can you imagine AOC or Ilhan Omar sitting in a Birmingham jail like Martin Luther King Jr did that was real conviction he spent eight days in a jail cell. That's where he wrote the letter, letter from a Birmingham jail. But ALC and Ilhan Omar, they're not really willing to sacrifice anything for the causes. No leftist is. So AOC and Ilhan Omar are going to have to pay a $50 fine. That's it. 50 bucks. They make $174,000 a year that we pay them for their salaries. Soros will probably reimburse them anyway. But anyway, now I want to play the response of the media to um, to uh, did we do this yet? No, we didn't. So I want to play now for contrast the media's reaction to Joe Biden being uh, contracting COVID. 
All right, let me get this queued up. Let's go. A year yeah. ago with COVID, where we are now that the president with all those precautions around him and all that testing that goes on around him has still contracted it. I think it, it was inevitable. Enormous number of people that the White House cannot test. Uh, Dr. Zha says that uh, the president's been working all morning, says he feels fine. They're following all the precautions by the CDC and they're being, very importantly, very transparent about how they're conducting so their I'm sure operations. you're not surprised at this No, I, I mean, I think, as mean as many people uh, would expect who've been following this closely, I think we've been preparing or they've been preparing for this probably for several months now. I think it's important, though, for viewers to know and understand the president is still serving in his job. president uh, and anyone around him took every step possible. He received that second booster. He makes risk assessments. The White House makes risk assessments, just like American, the American people do. That's not always easy, right? Every day you're making risk assessments about whether you're exposing yourself or well, not. We talked about it. I wanted to play the clip. I wanted you to hear it. I thought it was important to see how sick, perverse, how corrupt, how dishonest the media is in this country. That they would treat Donald Trump in such a way and then sit here and make excuses for, for Joe Biden. You know, under Donald Trump, Donald Trump gave us one of the most prosperous American economies in our history. He brought peace in the Middle East. He did things that we were told were impossible. Impossible. And then when it comes to Joe Biden, who's the most destructive president in American history, who is destroying this economy, who is responsible for the exacerbated inflation, responsible for the gas prices, responsible for the danger we're in, responsible for Russia invading Ukraine, responsible for weakening America and strengthening our enemies, responsible for destroying Americans' lives. They cover for him. They defend him. Because they, too, want to see this country destroyed. They too want to see the Democratic Party seize power in perpetuity. They too are authoritarians who condescend to the American people and think like the slave owners that they know better than us how to run our lives. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. You heard Saki, you heard all of them there. You know, this was inevitable when it came to Joe Biden getting COVID. It wasn't you know, I mean, oh, you know, he, he's tra he can't control everything. They did everything right. He's sick or whatever. It's not a big deal. Trump, the country could fall apart because of his irresponsibility. He's been lying about science. But you know what? It turns out that the Democrats lie about science. This whole thing was a scam. All the attacks, all the vaccines. You know, Dr. Deborah Burks, who just recently, uh, I think she released the book, she brags that she misled and lied to the Trump administration to achieve lockdowns, to achieve mass mandates, to achieve the goal of using COVID to fundamentally transform America from a constitutional republic to a dictatorship, authoritarianism. She bragged about it. That is an erection in Adam Schiff's pants. So she was just on Fox News, Dr. Deborah Burks, who led an insurrection to shut down the country. And she said, I quote, I knew these vaccines 
We're not going to protect against infection. And I think we overplayed the vaccines. Think about that. Never forget what they did to us in 2020. Never forget. It is one of the most horrendous acts of evil ever perpetrated in modern American history, in American history, period. So she knew these vaccines were not going to be, not going to protect against infection, but, and she says, admits they overplayed the vaccines. That's incriminating. This woman should be locked up. It's all been a lie. They attacked Trump based on a lie. And they defend Joe Biden. Now, think about the fact that what's going on with the J6 committee, how they just got a conviction for Steve Bannon. Think about their whole lie that January 6th was an insurrection and all anybody's being held for is trespassing, unruly behavior. Well, the Capitol Police chief is apparently upset that the Stephen Colbert staffers aren't going to be charged. Surprise, surprise. You know, the people who've actually committed crimes in this country, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, I got that story coming up in a second. They're not going to be prosecuted, but Steve Bannon, absolutely. So the U.S. attorney, you know, the one responsible for getting an indictment on Steve Bannon, well, he's declined to charge the Colbert Nine. That's what these trespassers and insurrectionists are being called. Now, the Colbert Nine, they applied for press credentials and were denied. They didn't appeal because they knew they weren't going to be given one. They weren't press. They were imposters. And they repeatedly disobeyed instructions from Capitol Police before their arrest. They went to uh, Lauren, uh, Lauren Boebert's office inside the Capitol building, for example. They were shouting outside her door. Do you remember me? We're going to leave something under your door. Now, officers responded to the disturbance, and the Colbert Nine said they were credentialed press, which, as I just told you, was a lie. They lied to the Capitol Police. They didn't have identification. They didn't have a congressional staff member accompanying them. Both of these things are required. And worse, these Colbert Nine had already been escorted out of a different building, the Cannon House office building. This is a huge complex. So they already got escorted out. They didn't have press credentials. They were breaking and entering. They're doing their guerrilla filmmaking. They're filming some skit for Colbert, right? Something that will only be funny to Stephen Colbert because he's not funny. The only person who thinks Stephen Colbert is funny is Stephen Colbert. He's a hack. So they were denied their application, but then showed up anyway. They knew they'd broken the law. They lied about who they were. They had unlawfully entered the, the complex multiple times. And the U.S. Attorney's Office is saying they don't have enough evidence to secure convictions, but they have enough evidence to secure conviction against Steve Bannon. They are currently holding people who basically did the exact same thing as these Colbert Nine, breaking and entering into the Capitol, unruly behavior entering the Capitol when they weren't supposed to be there. They're being held without bail. But the U.S. Attorney's Office, this is corruption, folks. This is absolute, thorough corruption. Can't do anything with these people. And meanwhile, they're trying to prosecute Trump, essentially, in the public eye in front of the AG to try and give them a case for something he didn't do. No evidence that Trump did anything, but they're still pursuing that. 
all the evidence in the world to convict Hunter Biden, which I'll get to that in a second. Joe Biden, worthy of, of an investigation. And New York, by the way, the governor there, Hutchell. Well, it turns out she was paid something like $300,000 to her campaign by some business person in New York who got a $60 million plus dollar deal to supply uh, COVID tests. They didn't even have anybody submit other bids. They just went with this person automatically. And this person just happened to have given her campaign hundreds of thousands of dollars. No investigation there. Colbert 9, nothing. But, you know, Steve Bannon, yeah, we got to lock him up. Um, all right. So the Hunter Biden investigation, this will make your blood boil. So this goes back to a story. Let's talk about Hunter Biden for a second. He was disqualified from owning a gun long ago. And um, this goes back to a story. I forget when his, his brother Bo's wife. Well, his brother Bo died of cancer and he was banging his brother's wife at this time. So Hunter Biden lied on a federal form to obtain a firearm. They call this lying and trying. Lie and try. You conceal your disqualification. But Hunter didn't lie and try. He lied and succeeded. Now, this has a lot of similarities to what goes on in terms of these subpoenas. In terms of what happened, the difference between Eric Holder and Steve Bannon. So on his form, you're at, he was asked, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? Well, five years earlier, he'd been discharged from the Navy Reserve after testing positive for cocaine. And so Haley Biden, Hallie Biden, who Hunter Biden's banging after his brother died, well, she threw Hunter Biden's gun in a public trash can behind a grocery store. And so this incident apparently began when Hallie was searching Hunter Biden's pickup. She was looking for whatever she was looking for. It was parked at her home in Wilmington. So she had suspicions about Hunter. Surprise, surprise. And inside the truck, she found a 38 revolver. So Hallie took the gun to Jansen's Market, which was a nearby high-end grocery store, which was across the street from a school. And she tossed the gun wrapped in some black shopping bag into a trash bin outside of the grocery store. Well, later that day, she came back to look for it. She told Hunter what she did. Obviously, Hunter probably freaked out because he understood it was obtained illegally. He lied on the form, and this was trouble for him and his family. This guy's the biggest F up in the world. So he told her to go get the gun. You B, he probably said, probably cursed you out. You son of a, get, you, you know. So he sends her to get the gun, and lo and behold, the gun's no longer there. Somebody had taken it. So Delaware police began investigating this. The trash can and the grocery store were across the street from a public school, as I said. That's a problem. And so the Secret Service interfered to bring in this whole cover-up operation. They went to the gun shop, and they are not accountable for this. This is not the Secret Service's job. They're actually obstructing here. 
So the Secret Service go to the gun shop where Hunter bought the gun and submitted the form that he lied on, the evidence. They asked for the paperwork Hunter had submitted. They wanted to get rid of the evidence, just like we've seen Hillary Clinton do before and countless Democrats, the cover-up of Fast and the Furious. The Democrats are so guilty of so many crimes, but they just think they can cover it up and get away with it, and they do. So these documents eventually ended up being handed over to the ATF. And that's who you're supposed to get. That's who's responsible. That's the appropriate authorities for this. And the gun somehow mysteriously, conveniently was returned. But nonetheless, the Secret Service had interfered in the Delaware police investigation. And they denied it later on. And so anyway, all of this, the tax problems, the fraud, the gun issue where he broke the broke federal law. Well, there's been a grand jury summoned and paneled to indict Hunter. Well, it's just been disbanded. They've heard all the evidence. And this is bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. So in essence, the entire thing's been nullified. They've got to start all over again. Why did this happen? What was the decision by this judge? Any explanation? Have you seen any media coverage of this? No, they're exciting, excited. They're celebrating that Steve Bannon might go to jail for two years. But Hunter Biden, who actually committed crimes, that grand jury was just disbanded. But the grand jury in the case for Steve Bannon, that went off without a hitch. It took them two or three days to get their conviction. The Hunter Biden thing's been going on for months. And now it's just been disbanded. Disbanded. Something else is on my mind real quick. You know, I'm thinking about this. Joe Biden, um, he's been, he's tested positive for COVID, but I think what he really tested positive for was the 25th Amendment. That's what we should be talking about right now, the 25th Amendment. Joe Biden's mental, physical incapacitation, inability to lead, the danger we're in. This is the time to use the 25th Amendment, the worst president in American history, the biggest cover-up, of an American president in our history as well. All right, this is Drew Allen. Thank you for being with me today. God bless you all and until next time.